Welcome to The Nonprofit Voice, a podcast series brought to you by Nonprofit Pro, the go-to resource for nonprofit management and strategy. In each episode, we're going to sit down with leaders of nonprofit organizations, the people responsible for paving the way for our sector, along with key technology strategy partners who are transforming our industry. Here at the Nonprofit Voice, we'll have refreshing conversations in which we will all learn more about the convergence of nonprofit and technology. Be sure to follow us on social media and visit our website to find more episodes of the Nonprofit Voice. And you can download all of the Nonprofit Voice episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. We will have all the links down below. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Nonprofit Voice. I'm Nate Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro, and I'll be your host for today's episode. And as always, thank you so much for joining us today. So we've got some exciting content on the agenda today, but first I want to introduce our guests for today's show. So please join me in welcoming David Neiman, founder and chairman of the Loyalty Foundation, along with Witt and Colin Hunter of Better World. Witt is a co-founder and CEO, and Colin is a co-founder and head of strategy and growth. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great to be here. Awesome. So happy to hear it. So before we jump into today's topic, I usually start by getting our audience more acquainted with our guests. So David, I'll have you go first. Can you tell us, tell me and the audience a little bit more about yourself and about the Loyalty Foundation? Yeah, uh, my name is David Neiman. I uh, started the Loyalty Foundation in 2019 um, before uh, before the pandemic um, because I felt that or we felt as an organization that technology is really the great equalizer in the future. Um, and all children, irrespective of race, gender, or socioeconomic status, needs to have access to technology so that they can really play the part in the future. I was a uh, prosecutor at the Manhattan DA's office for 10 years. Um, and kind of my experiences working there, as well as working at a tech company afterwards, really sort of opened my eyes to the importance of hope um, and also of a kind of a, a direct, efficient path to get there. So the Loyalty Foundation has always focused on getting technology to underserved communities. Uh, during COVID, we have delivered hundreds of computers to um, communities all over the country, including Flint, Michigan, Birmingham, Alabama, and Newark, New Jersey, Yonkers, just to name a few. And we really just follow up with the delivery of technology, um, usually in the form of a uh, refurbished Chromebook. And then we follow up with our educational offerings to make sure the children are able to use it and access their educational opportunities, as well as tech education when that's applicable. And then we also follow through with mentorship so that we can sort of bridge the gap and really attach attack digital equity by showing the importance of technology in the future. Fantastic. And Witt and Colin, please share more about, you know, yourselves and Better World. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, Wit Wit here. Um, so Colin and I have been been serial entrepreneurs and sort of infatuated with with building and growing businesses for for a long time. Um, I, when I was at the University of Virginia uh, as an undergraduate, I wrote my thesis on new ways for businesses to serve the common good. 
you know, what would it mean to do well and do good as a for-profit enterprise? Um, and thinking through, um, you know, in thinking through those questions, uh, the, the outlines of Better World were, were born. So Colin and I uh, and one other co-founder started a company called Better World, uh, aimed to serve the nonprofit space through free fundraising tools that, that make their life easier and, and save them a bunch of time. Um, that was about seven years ago. Uh, and I've been, uh, we, we've been grinding it out, building this platform. And uh, it's been a real joy to be, to be working together on this. Fantastic. All right. So I've invited everyone on the podcast today to talk a little bit about crowdfunding. We're going to talk about technology and of course, fundraising strategy. Um, but we have a lot to talk about. So let's just get into my first question. I kind of want to get started with the basics here and we're going to talk about a little bit about crowdfunding, but before we get into that, you know, can we talk about what crowdfunding really is and how nonprofits can leverage it for their fundraising? Yeah, great. I'll kick off here. Um, you know, crowdfunding, it's become a term that's a lot more popular in the nonprofit space. And you know, I think some, some people, when you hear crowdfunding, they'll think of an individual and it's a friend that they know um, that is going online and they're raising money from, from their community. And, um, but crowdfunding is actually a really important tool for nonprofits as well. And we see uh, nonprofits of all sizes utilize crowdfunding um, as part of their strategy of engagement and, and raising money for initiatives. And I think the common theme between that crowdfunding as an individual and crowdfunding as a nonprofit is that you are um, engaging your community around one central objective. Usually it's, um, uh, if you think about typical fundraising as supporting the mission more broadly, um, crowdfunding drives a certain amount of specificity. You could be raising money for a new well or to buy a bus for a school or to buy a whole bunch of laptops uh, in, in David's case that, that he's talked about. And, um, and so at its core, crowdfunding always has a, a specific goal that's clearly communicated to your community. And it also invites your community more broadly into that goal and to help make it happen in a defined period of time. Yeah, I think that's, that's an excellent, that's an excellent uh, de definition of crowdfunding. Um, and really, it came into prominence around, around GoFundMe, which was doing a lot of the, the personal crowdfunding, uh, but also even places like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which were doing sort of project-based crowdfunding. Um, you know, we've seen it, the, the majority of nonprofit crowdfunding is in donation campaigns, sort of specifically, again, trying to raise you know, X thousand dollars for one specific project. Um, but there's probably a way to think about crowdfunding more broadly with these project-specific campaigns that can include other styles of accepting donations, like ticketing or auctions or raffles or, uh, or other, other means of raising funds outside of just a specific, you know, requesting a donation. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, uh, personally, um, and I guess on behalf of the, uh, the Loyalty Foundation itself, uh, these types of fundraisers have been um, I, integral to our, you know, achieving our mission, uh, which is, is, is very, very 
it's it's very far in the future you know uh, you know we're pushing towards digital equity uh and there's a long long road to get to that path i mean i was just on the phone today with a woman in, in yonkers uh where one we're supporting an organization there where we're gotten we're getting computers to them and she wanted to move to another community into Mount Vernon that also has a need. By the one thing we have found is the need for computers is everywhere. It's, it's a problem. It's rampant and it affects so many communities across the country. Um, and what we're actually coming up with and how we found it to be a very relatively successful means to raise funds is that we focus on those communities themselves. We find out what the need is and we're able to package it to the community itself that surrounds this need. Uh, for example, we had a group of mothers, uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful women here in New York City um, who wanted to raise money uh, for, for, to get computers to kids uh, in New York City. And they were, they were, we were able really to tap into their power um, and their collective will uh, and they they were able to, you know, we packaged it through Better World as the Loyalty Foundation in collaboration with the, these mothers, right? Specifically to raise money to get kids computers in New York City. And they really, really, really were specific. They wanted to be in New York City. And we were able to raise $30,000 in two weeks. Uh, and what was so outstanding about that experience was you know we made each other stronger and and because they were trying to raise money by themselves right and people wanted to give but they weren't giving in the way that when they paired with an organization like ours uh, we gave each other legitimacy right we 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 were we, we were we were like a level above either just going to the website or just an individual reaching out to try to help in need. Somehow this conversion, uh, a convergence of, of these two motivations and the two sort of uh, entities themselves giving each other power is what created uh, such a successful campaign. So what I, what I think, uh, when you can personalize the message, there's a lot of people who care. And, and they care a lot and they want to give, but they want to make sure they're giving to a place that is really going to take what they are given and do great things with it. And I think a combination of the human element of a, of a movement of such makes the whole process and the journey really more gratifying for everyone and, and really more successful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, certainly a powerful tool to have in your a nonprofit should have in their back pocket, especially because it's leveraging their kind of most important um, asset, which is a, a supporter's passion and motivations and enthusiasm for the nonprofit's mission. But I kind of want to dive into, you know, crowdfunding can, crowdfunding and peer-to-peer -peer sound pretty similar. So Colin or Witt, can you break down the differences between the two? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the first stab at this um, because there is a lot of overlap. 
um, there's a lot of overlap in, in the how of these campaigns and, um, and we'll get into that in a moment. I think the, the easiest way to differentiate crowdfunding and peer-to-peer -peer, uh, is a technical one. Uh, what's generally known as peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, you have individuals that have their own individual fundraising page. Colin has his page, Witt has his page, David has his page, and we all send our own individual page out to our friends, peer-to-peer. Um, as opposed to crowdfunding, which is uh, generally one central page that we all direct people to. Um, but but the, the overlap is that any successful crowdfunding campaign leverages people sharing the page with their friends. It leverages community. It leverages, um, you know, people doing the exact same thing they would be doing in peer-to-peer, -peer, which is having conversation with their friends, getting them involved, posting on social media, um, but the only difference with crowdfunding is that it's going to one central place uh, rather than um, going to people's individual pages first. Awesome. Uh, Colin, did you have anything to add? Uh, you know, I, th I think Wit hit the nail on the head. It, it really comes down to, um, yes, who is controlling, who's driving the fundraising initiative. Um, both are really effective strategies and uh, and we see a, a number of the nonprofits on our platform utilize both angles. I think with peer-to-peer, -peer, it's all about how do you equip your community and your advocates to go out and fundraise on your behalf. Um, and, and when you do that, that can really help increase your reach because you're broadening your network, but you also lose a bit of control over messaging and tactics. Whereas with crowdfunding, you retain some of that control. The messaging is coming from a central location, mm -hmm. um, but but it's harder to amplify the reach because um, you're doing it centrally. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point, actually. You know, I think that is something that um, you know obviously nonprofits have to be a little careful about, right? Because people have great um, intentions and sometimes they have great enthusiasm and well, people will connect to your mission for different reasons. Um, and when there are individuals out there, um, you know, it's hard to control what, what is being said sometimes, you know, and, you know, I, I think also, I, I think in, in our experience, and, and I, I would say that I would find that the, the crowdfunding, you know, even the word itself, right, is it, it, it's more of like um, a movement, right? And, and movements are, are very, very powerful. So individuals that are, are going peer to peer, that network or that sort of expansion is probably more limited than, than, than groups coming to a specific location. So I, I think nonprofits, especially raising money in, in challenging times like this, have to be very, very um, careful, right? And, and thoughtful about how they approach these types of things. And it's just, there's so many different ways to get to the end result. And I don't think there really are particularly many just one right answer it's a combination of good strategy 
a little bit of luck and perseverance. Yeah, clearly technology, you know, offers a world of possibilities for nonprofits. Um, so I want to kind of talk about the ways that technology can, the ways that nonprofits can use technology in their fundraising campaigns. Um, Colin or Witt, like, can you provide some examples of how nonprofits are leveraging technology to kind of boost their fundraising campaigns and just, you know, get more interest and get more donors and get more dollars? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, having a good understanding of technology and utilizing it in your fundraising strategy is is it's not a nice to have it's it's honestly a need to have in our current society um and that's one of our goals is as, as david was saying um one of our goals that our team works tirelessly for is how do we how do we make it easy for our nonprofit partners out there to utilize technology knowing that they may not have a cto on their staff or they may not they may not even be um, very well versed in kind of latest tech trends. Uh, if we can, if we can build a platform and make it easy to take advantage of technology and to leverage it, then then we've done our job. Um, technology really does a few things for nonprofits. It it simplifies and um, expands your communication. Um, it improves automation and it, it broadens your reach. And in a few examples of, of each of those. You know, on the communication front, when you launch any sort of campaign, whether it's a crowdfunding campaign or an online auction, or um, you're promoting an event that you have coming up, either digital or in person, you need to get the word out there. And so being able to frequently communicate and to segment who you're communicating to, to follow up, um, and even when your event is live, to kind of share various items or share progress um, and to keep people engaged is paramount to being able to drive a successful campaign. Um, but there's also the the unglamorous side of communication and technology just helps drive efficiency there. So um, for example, our, our platform does automated receipts. Um, so if, if you've won an item in an online auction, uh, we've kind of taken the process out of having to manually send out receipts to all of your donors with the tax ID number and and all the information that they would need, the system does it automatically. Um, and so there, there are elements of communication that um, can not only drive more donor engagement with communication, but can also drive more efficiency for the nonprofit. I think we see that too on the automation front. Um, this is not just true of our platform, platform, but we see it more frequently now that the, the interconnectedness of tools makes the both the donor experience much better and also saves time um, and headache for the nonprofit or, or whoever the, the administrator is of, of the campaign. One example of that is, um, you know, we've, we've got, we're in this interesting time right now where there are plenty of digital events happening. People are already also starting to plan selectively live events. And um, using our ticketing tool, someone uh, can promote their, their digital event or their live event. People will buy tickets for that. And once they've purchased a ticket on our platform, now they're automatically pre-registered for any other campaign, whether that's a crowdfunding campaign or an online auction or a giveaway or anything else. 
they don't have to enter their information again. And so, um, you know, any any sort of gain around efficiency and automation saves a nonprofit time. And something that we talk about a lot internally is the two most precious commodities for a nonprofit is time and money. And so if we can help save them time and help them raise more money, um, more, more effectively and efficiently, um, then they're ultimately going to be able to carry out their mission that much better. I think that the third piece around technology is broadening your reach. And this is something that many nonprofits have learned even more just by necessity over the past year. Um, there are some organizations you know, like David's where they have a, a big reach and, and, and they're, they're used to that. Um, but there are others that have been local and they've relied on just in-person local events. And when that is gone and you have to, uh, and, and as many have over the past year, you have to engage an audience digitally by using technology effectively, you can actually inc increase by orders of magnitude the number of people that you can reach and that can engage with your campaign. Um, and we're seeing that all over the place. And something that, that we hear frequently now is the lessons that people have learned throughout COVID and fundraising in a pandemic, they're going to, are changing how they're thinking about fundraising in the future that even as you plan for live events, being able to, again, utilize technology to allow people that don't live in that city or, don't, or aren't able to make it to that event, still allowing them to engage and to participate um, is only going to deepen your engagement with your base and increase the potential for what you're able to raise. Yeah, very well said. Moving forward out of this, hopefully, post-pandemic phase, as more people get vaccinated, one of the big things we're talking about here at Nonprofit Pro is that, you know, people are craving to get back in person and interact with people face-to-face, -face, but I think that virtual aspect um, will continue to have to be a standard for nonprofits because now your supporters, your donors, they're, they're getting used to it, they're getting accustomed to it, and for those who don't live locally or if they don't they can't make it or if there's a health concern or if there's like a money concern um there's still a way to participate with the event so i think that that's a really great point with um david i kind of you kind of your premise at the organization is technology technology is your mission it's what you guys are really focused on so you know how are you guys using technology to leverage your fundraising? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, our, our premise is that technology is the great equalizer. Um, and I also think we're, we're a little bit of a, a, a disruptor in sort of the world of, of philanthropy. And technology is, is a critical component of it. Um, you know, when we started, we really were very, very small and very young. We didn't have a lot of anything. Um, and, you know, like anything, you start getting people on your team, right? And, and technology is a critical part to get people into the mission. You know, everything that we do, we can communicate 
so much faster and so much easier through technology. Um, and fundraising, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny if you think about it. I mean, we existed long before. We don't do any mailing or anything, right? Um, you know, it's, it's bad for the environment. It's, it's costly. It's, it's sort of like, you know, it's kind of, there are still organizations that do it. And I'm, I imagine that they, they, they will do it until it really doesn't make financial sense anymore. But, you know, technology allows us to be anywhere anyone is, right? You know, we, as long as we can sort of synthesize our message in a, in a palatable amount, you know, there's a lot of, you know, what, what, what I think technology allows us to be everywhere. The problem is it allows everyone to be everywhere. Uh, so, you know, you can just see the streams and streams of, of content that is out there. And we're all trying to kind of penetrate it and to connect to the individual behind the screen. So the ability to use and to be out there and to be potentially in everyone's home, right? If you can get there, you can, technology can really give you access to any human being. If you can just somehow get through the sort of the bouncer, <laughs> you know, if every person's individual behaviors and taste. Um, so the key component, I think, and, and you know, uh, we're still learning every day and adapting and, and learning and doing the best we can while still doing our programming. I mean, most of our fundraising, we have put, you know, a shockingly low effort into fundraising, not because we don't have, think it's important, it's just we just haven't had time. You know, we were on this mission to get as many computers to all these kids who, whose education had been cut short. And, and really, the, our fundraising had been me whale fishing, you know, out there just trying to get, into, get in front of people, just trying to get somebody to, to, to give us money, right? And, and it was effective and, and it's worked because it was, it was like an emergency situation and time. But now with the technology, it's like we, it, it's all about packaging it in the right way, communicating it in such a way directly to the receiver in the way they want to hear it. And not everybody wants to hear the messages in the same way. And, and I think particularly our mission at the Royalty Foundation is really, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you sit on the political spectrum. It doesn't really matter what you, where you are in, in your thought process. Virtually every person believes that kids need to have an opportunity, especially kids who, you know, start with very little, like the underserved communities in this country and, and in this world for that matter. Um, everyone, I think universally is like everyone, all kids should have an opportunity to succeed. So now we have a need that's stretched out and we believe we have, in a, in a, there's a large group that wants to donate, right? But they just don't know where because they, it's not just enough to care, you have to have an efficient and, and thoughtful plan to achieve it. So what we try to demonstrate is that the need, like we have to, in, in a small, short amount of time, to get to as many people as possible, we have to package in that information who we are, uh, why it's important, why we're credible, 
and why and what exactly is going to happen with your money. And so we focused a great deal and all of our stuff is really focused on project-based things so people can actually see where their money is going. And technology is great because it's amazing. It gives us this incredible power to try to reach all these people. But it has to be dialed in in exactly the right amount. And that is what the complicated part is. But that's okay. It's okay that it is complicated and that you're fighting and for the voice and, 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 the, and the time of all these people. But it just the fact that you can get there, right? Like there is a way. If you can put it together in the right way, technology makes it possible to reach the masses. Great. And I kind of want to dive into that a little bit more, David, on what you said about kind of like packaging your mission. Um, I want to talk about the details of your marketing strategy. You know, what are some creative or maybe unique ways you guys are marketing or, you know, displaying your content on your fundraising campaigns to try to get potentially more supporters or supporters to donate again. Yeah. So I, I, I am figuring, I am figuring that out right now. You know, it's funny that you're saying that it's, it's just like really this whole org, the loyalty foundation from beginning to where we are now, we are where I thought we would be five years from now. Like we have grown so fast and so quickly. And I have to say a lot of it has to be with going with the flow. Right. You know, we have we didn't do computers pre pandemic. We were focusing only on education. And then one of our kids in one of our educational programs didn't have a computer. And then we I went and got him a computer and found that we were able to purchase these refurbished Chromebooks for like a hundred dollars. And when I was able to find that that was, it was a, there was a market to do it, we adapted and then we, we launched our devices for all program, which basically brought us to all these places across the country. And, and our computers were finding their hands into kids who were uh, one, one, one child who was in a domestic violence shelter, who was able to continue their teletherapy. So when, it, when all that became clear to me that it was greater than school, Right. Another another one of our students has written an amazing rap. Right. And, and, and another one is is writing creative writing. Maria from from Newark, who whose education was cut short because she left Guatemala, you know, was ecstatic because she was going to expand on her creative writing. So like the technology piece uh, opens up up so many doors. Um, so, you know, we got you know, our donors, our generous donors, and, and you know, how do we keep re-engaging with them? And, and I, I, I think we have found, um, and we're still tweaking the, di the dial every day, right? And, and, you know, there's only a certain amount of time you can spend, uh, you have in a day, right? And, and so obviously now we're putting a lot of effort into figuring out how to is the best way to, to fundraise and leverage the tools, but I, I have found that the best ways that we have, have done so is by really engaging a community. Like what we're doing in Newark right now uh, is very exciting to me because we are like galvanizing the community. We are really creating a little bit of a movement 
where it started with the computers and now it's in this mentorship. And, and on Monday, we're going to be giving out, uh, in coordination with the Newark public school system, computers to kids in Newark, right? And that is super exciting. And I think that the, 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 if we can somehow, and, I'm, and we're actually figuring it out right now, is if we can sort of document the arc of the story, right? And we can sort of bring people through the process with the, at the end result being a specific individual whose personal story is compelling, is I think the way that we are, are hoping to unlock even more, even more dollars to our donations, to our cause, to our mission, to our hopeful eventuality. Fantastic. Um, Colin or Witt, uh, did you have anything to add? I think David really did a great job there. Yeah, you know, I, I was just thinking that, that I can certainly speak on some specifics of marketing, but, but I thought David's approach around storytelling mm -hmm. uh, I think is is kind of the is the powerful underpinning to any good marketing or or, or outreach. Um, so uh, you know I'll, I'll jump in a little bit on some some marketing tactics, but I do uh, you know that that's worth that's worth re-listening re to. Just uh, I thought I thought that was really really good. Thank you. Um, you know, as far as specific specific marketing or tactics of getting the you know the word out. Um, you know, it's a lot of basic blocking and tackling. It's social media, it's email, it's reaching out to local news media, you know, because they're always looking for good stories. Um, it's reaching out to affinity blogs. You know, if you're doing something in education, you know, what are the blogs, who, who's covering this right now? How can we find other communities of people that might not have heard of what we're doing? Uh, it might be interested to, uh, to, to learn more. Um, and it's doing this, it's doing this yourself, you know, as the, as the leader or the, of the nonprofit or the you know, director of the campaign, but it's also engaging your donors and asking them to, you know, to make these outreach and to, to, you know, to, to do this communication as well, asking them to share on social media, asking them to reach out to their friends. Um, you know, the, the other component of this is around, you know, one of the points that you touched on earlier was around frequency of communication and how does one re-engage donors and how do you, how do you stay top of mind um, without, uh, you know, there, there, there's a limited number of times that, you know, one can be reached out to in a time of, uh, you know, by, by day. Um, an interesting thing to consider here is around viewing donors holistically uh, as individuals. Um, you know, one of the one of the premises that, that we've always found is that you know it's easy to look at donors as as a checkbook as people that are you know that can provide a certain amount of money, um, but there's a lot there's clearly a lot more to you know donors are individuals they have skills they have experiences they have things they would be able to offer, um, and reaching out to people for some of these other talents and assets is a way to increase the the frequency but also the 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 meaningfulness of, of some of that, those communications of um, Colin actually might be able to, you know, jump in a little bit on, on some of the early parts about, you know, his experience as a donor, but being able to be, uh, you know, Colin, why don't, why don't you actually jump in on some of the early better world stuff and the bachelor, uh, you know, bachelor week stories there. Yeah. I mean, just a very personal example. Um, 
when I was getting married, um, I actually found a um, a place to to do my bachelor party through a charity auction on on our platform. And you know, I think some of the the benefits of it is where I was in life. Um, I wouldn't have been able to afford this place, uh, or nor would my groomsmen, um, if we were just doing it on our own. And so it really was kind of creating this win-win scenario where all 100% of our funds um, that we used to get the place went to charity. The, the owners of the home weren't using the home, and so it was easy for them to donate it. Um, so everyone felt like they were they were doing good. Um, and even that experience individually um, made me want to talk about it. And clearly, you know, I'm, I'm a part of a better world, but we always try to, to view things through the eyes of, um, through the eyes of a donor and, and experience things that way as well. And I think the more, um, to Witt's point and, and to David's point, the, the more we can share authentic stories and experiences, um, mission related or, or donor related and testimonials. I, I think that just, that helps get the word out and helps keep, keeps people engaged. I couldn't agree more. And to just talk about marketing a little more, I just want to briefly graze over, you know, obviously when donors or potential supporters see a campaign, whether it's online or it's, you know, through mail, copy and visuals are the thing that really pop out to them and get their attention. So what are some things, David, do you have any recommendations on some best, best practices to keep in mind when designing visuals? I, 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 I would say I, I'm a big fan of the KISS system. I keep it simple, stupid. You know, I, I think people have a tendency to, to do too much, right? I really like, and, and when they do too much, I think authenticity is really what everybody wants. They just want something authentic, right? And, and I think we try to force things too much a little bit. We have a tendency to overwork them. Um, and I, I find that's what res resonates with me. You know? I also find that actually doing things is the most important thing. Like, I, I don't like hearing about people talking about stuff. I like them actually doing things. So if it's authentic and it's connected to actually something being done, to me, that is the best. By the way, I, I, that's what I like, you know? And, and, and I, you know, the, the, I sometimes am at odds with other people uh, because I'm, I'm really sort of, laser focused on that um and i also think it, you gotta connect with the power of people right you know like i i think back to 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 and you know to to the that powerful group of moms in new york city right um i don't think what made that work so well Right. And by the way, not all of our, 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 our things were that, were that powerful, right? Like, you know, I think you got to take a lot of shots. Some work out tremendously, some don't, but you just got to keep moving. So you really just got to keep trying things. 
as far as a copy and visual perspective, uh, we are, we're big believers that aesthetics matter. Um, you know, we, we try to create beautiful tools that are elegant and, and, and easy to use. Um, and the reason for this, it's not just sort of satisfying our own, you know, design ideals. Um, it's that donors are in every other area of their life. They are interacting with elegant design and great copy and images because that's what sells on Amazon or on Uber or on Etsy. Um, people are used to, if 99% of the communication that somebody is taking in um, is written by you know, professional marketers and has beautiful images, um, it's really important that uh, the communication that they're hearing about giving or an auction or you know, an online raffle or event at least makes an effort towards, towards those ends of, of clear imagery and, and concise copy. Um, clearly it doesn't have to be perfect, but we were a big believer in intentionality, uh, in, in, in high resolution images and in, you know, we try to make this really easy with, you know, automatically cropped images and sort of suggestions on, on copy. And, uh, we try to make that simple, but the best campaigns we see thousands and thousands of auctions a year uh, on better world as well as a number of other campaigns. But one of the biggest indicators of is an auction going to be successful is going to break their fundraising goals is did the team take the time to get nice images and take the time to write fun copy because uh, that's what, you know, story aside, you know, people are consumers too. And, and that's what, that's what resonates. So I have one more question for each of you guys. Um, but it can be a hard question depending on how you feel. Uh, there's, you know, we've talked about it a lot today. And then if there's one piece of advice you would give to nonprofits who are listening today, what would it be? I'll start with you, David. Um, you know, I would say the one piece of advice that I would give is go, just keep going. Right. And, and really be ready to, to change your path right? See what is coming to you. Follow paths that you didn't expect to follow. And also, um, you know, do not let other forces stop you when you know that your mission is correct. There's plenty of money. There's stupid amounts of money on this planet. So much money in so many places that, that you can get it. You just have to figure out your path to do it. Be you, trust your mission. I mean, talk to people. And, you know, people are the best sort of uh, guidance if you're on the right path or not, right? When I was gonna, when I started the Loyalty Foundation and I told everyone the sort of the missionary, every single person told me it was a good idea. They all said, but how are you gonna do it? How are you gonna get the money? How are you gonna do this? How are you gonna do that? And I was like, hold on a second. You like the idea? Is that what we need on this planet? And they were like, yes. So I was like, I will figure it out, right? So we grew and now we're moving in different directions. And here I am today on a podcast with the founders of Better World who have made our world easier to raise money in ways that I never would have expected. When I started the foundation, I didn't even know what Better World was nor did I imagine that it would 
crowdfunding and this type of thing would be as important as it was to our last year. So I think that if your mission is good, right, and it's important, and you can get people on your team, you can succeed. Yeah, I mean, first off, just love, love everything that David said there. Um, and I think that sort of entrepreneurial spirit and compassion that he showed um, and continues to show um, and just getting out there and doing it and getting outside the comfort zone, um, trying new things, um, I think is, is an awesome example and, and is really inspiring. Um, you know, I, th I think the, the one, one piece of advice that, that's not unrelated to that I would give is lean into storytelling. Um, you can't, you, in some ways, you can't over communicate to your community and your network and your donor base, um, the why you do what you do, uh, the results that you're having, um, the, the stories along the way, uh, and the more you can share um, in, in as authentic a way as possible, um, the more you're going to, the, the more successful you're going to be. If you win people's hearts, you're going to win their minds and you're going to earn their dollars. Um, and so the, the more nonprofits can focus on winning people's hearts, telling the authentic stories of their mission and how the, the dollars that they're raised are being put to use. And even in the conversations that Witt and I have had with David, um, hearing his passion about bringing technology and computers to you know, underserved children and people in communities that haven't had access to that, that gets me excited about it, you know, and that gets me thinking about concepts like privilege and that my young girls, they're, they're too young to be using computers, but it would be easy for me to take, take for granted that they have access to them and what a, what a leg up that already is. And, um, yeah, and so yeah, the more you can get out and tell your story, um, invest in storytelling, um, do it the best you can. There, there's no um, there's no limit to what you can do and the impact you can have if if you lean into that. So, and finally, Wit, what's your advice to our nonprofit listeners today? Yeah, um, you know, ha happy to add my two cents, but. But I should note that, you know, certainly Colin and I and the rest of the, the Better World team are uh, look up to most of the nonprofits on our platform as the ones that are doing the hard work, uh, the ones that have actually been in the trenches for dozens of years uh, doing the often thankless, laborious, uh, time consuming work, often with another job. <laughs> um, so, you know, as far as, you know, we, 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 we much more try to listen than, than advise. Uh, both, both personally and, and, and as a company. Um, but as far as something that I think that has worked, worked for us and worked, worked for me personally, um, and it's related to David's you know, suggestion of just, just starting, um, you know, it has to do with expectations when you are just starting. Uh, you know, the, the drive to do it excellently or have it be, be perfect can often get in the way of just, just doing a good enough first version. Um, one of the things we like to say internally is, is around iterative excellence. Uh, and it's a, it's a highfalutin way to say that the first version is not going to be very good. Um, but the second version will be slightly better. And the third version even better than that. And, and by the, you know, 
by the fifth time or the sixth time you've done it, all of a sudden this is a, you know, it's at a hundred percent. It's a polished, you know, excellent, you know, initiative or feature that you're doing. But the most important thing is just do the first version and be okay with it's not, if it's not perfect, um, you know, getting out there, doing the work, uh, and then sharing it and getting feedback and, and then doing the second version is, is much more important, uh, than waiting and in the hopes of trying to make it perfectly the first time. All right, great. So that about wraps it up for today's podcast, David, Colin and Wit. it's been such a pleasure having you on and talking about different topics within fundraising and crowdfunding and technology. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much. Thanks so much for having us. Really wonderful to be here. And so on behalf of Nonprofit Pro, we'll see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Voice. You can listen to more episodes of The Nonprofit Voice at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash the hyphen nonprofit hyphen voice. And remember, for your convenience, you can stream any and all episodes of The Nonprofit Voice on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.